Turn us on and the satisfaction's guaranteed. Frank discussion with passion on CJD 800. Welcome to the Friday edition of Passion, where just about anything goes. Uh, after 10.15, I'm going to share some stories with you uh, and some new research. A new study finds women are less likely to date men who pose with cats. I wonder how you would feel uh, as a woman. And we'll talk about some new research about casual sex. Is it harmless fun or is it harmful to the soul? But first... Time to check out our inbox. Your texts are always welcome. Connect with Passion at 514-800. Remember, you can always email me to laurie at drlaurie.com, as this person did. Uh, hello, Dr. Laurie. We loved last night's show. We did a show on fighting uh, yesterday and fighting fairly. Uh, there has been an ongoing argument over a personal matter between myself and my husband, and sometimes tempers are lost. I played back your show just to get the three rules from the poem. Uh, we put it to the test, and lo and behold, our issue is resolved. Three simple, easy rules. I do not know how he can put such things to poetry, but he is good at it. I know it by heart now. You should post the poem on your Facebook page. You and your show has helped us more than once in resolving some problems, and we can't thank you enough. So the passion poet had written something, and I'm just going to read the, the three rules that he suggested. Rule number one is no raising your voice. This applied to everyone and there is no choice. Rule number two is I will listen to you. Without interruption, you will have your turn too. And rule number three will avoid a demise. You both must be willing to make a compromise. So thank you for that. Words of, uh, of wisdom. Then there was a question on the text board and I wanted to look into it a little bit more. It says, could you please elaborate a little upon the fundamental differences according to the research between those who are supposedly wired for monogamy and those who aren't? So there's been research done in terms of the con like what is it about people who seem to do consensual non-monogamy well and those who cannot see themselves doing it at all so there has been some uh, work uh, neurologically uh, and 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 some other work so i'm just going to share these two um these two, these two pieces of information here uh, from uh, some colleagues of mine. So first of all, in terms of numbers, consensual non-monogamy is actually pretty high considering. It's a high, uh, it's a pretty significant minority of the population. At least 20% of people have some lifetime experience with consensual non-monogamy and according to research, about 5% of people are currently in consensually non-monogamous relationships. And just to backtrack, consensual non-monogamy is not the same as cheating, even though you're having sex with other people. Your partner knows about it. That's the difference. And you have come to an agreement uh, together. Uh, so this author writes that there are three factors that make a consensual non-monogamy completely unworkable for, uh, for some people. Okay. Um, and some, most people will fit into these categories who are, uh, these people who fit in these particular categories are highly unlikely to ever be comfortable or happy in a consensually non-monogamous relationship. And the, the three factors are these. They, uh, people who don't want it, who they don't want consensual uh, non-monogamy for themselves or their partners. Maybe they are um, religious or th they're in a, 
they have the value that marriage requires or relationships requires sexual exclusivity. Um, maybe they've witnessed infidelity in their past, whatever it is, they just don't want it. It's monogamy or nothing. Uh, if they were, um, they would be highly uncomfortable if, uh, if they were in a consensually non-monogamous relationship, they just don't want it. So it won't happen. Uh, another, uh, category of people is people who don't like to share. Do you know those people who you, they don't, they won't share their car. They won't share their dessert. They won't share anything, right? They, they're the kinds of people who feel invaded when people touch their things or eat their food or, or things like that. So it, certainly, uh, sharing a lover, uh, would be a, um, you know, something that if you don't like to share in general, that's not going to happen. And then this author writes about being monogamous by orientation. So there's a belief that monogamy is like an orientation. So if we look at like sexual orientation, we know that there is a cluster of genes that uh, determine, um, orientation. Okay. So, uh, the, the belief is that some people are innately wired for monogamy. And when they pair with another person, they, t for them, it's mating, uh, for life and they will commit to that relationship um, and try everything they can before leaving a partner for, for whatever, uh, reason. And, um, for people who are monogamous by orientation, the thought of sharing their partner with another, uh, is really, uh, it's like more than bad. It's like they cannot fathom that concept at all. It is, it's just an element of that person that is non-negotiable. So some people, it is just non-negotiable, just like orientation would be. So there is such a thing as monogamous by orientation. Then, um, I read an article by Dr. Jana, who is a uh, Jana Vrangalova, who is uh, a researcher in New York city, who's been on the show before, uh, and a colleague of mine who wrote an article and talks about the brain differences uh, that there are actual brain differences in people who are non-monogamous, vis-a-vis, uh, -vis, um, how they process romance related information. And they did this with a, an fMRI, uh, study, and this was out of, uh, Texas. So what they did is, um, they tied them up to, to different, you know, to, to the, this fMRI and they, um, showed them different images, including, uh, sexual images, romantic images, or neutral images. And then they interviewed them and, um, you know, some of them were highly monogamous. They had had fewer than five sexual partners in their lifetime, never dated more than one person, had never cheated on a partner, etc., etc., and then there were another group uh, who were highly non-monogamous. They had relationships with multiple partners, including both cheating and consensual non-monogamy. They preferred having more than one partner at a time, and they reported a lifetime, 30 lifetime sexual partners in, in average or so. So the results showed uh, no differences in brain activation between the monogamous and non-monogamous men when they were watching sexual images. So both groups found these images equally 
um, arousing. So that, that isn't very surprising. But the brains of the two groups differed quite a bit when it came to romantic stimuli. Monogamous men had increased activation in limbic and reward-related areas of the brain compared to non-monogamous men. These are the same brain areas that past studies find light up when people who are madly in love look at photos of their loved one. Uh, So there is definitely something there, right? Uh, There were no brain areas where the non-monogamous men's brain lit up more to romantic images than non than monogamous men's brains. So there's, there's obviously, I mean, bottom line is, um, there's obviously brain differences. So do we know enough? No, not yet. But we, we now have enough research to be able to say there's something that's going on in the brain. There is a difference between monogamous and non-monogamous people enough to predict. I would say no. You can only predict based on what someone tells you and how they feel and how they identify. But there's definitely enough information. Uh, Coming up, we'll talk about men and their cats. A safe place to work out the kinks in any relationship. It's Passion with CGAD 800's Dr. Lori Batito. So if you're dating and you're on these apps and you see a picture of a guy, if you're a woman, and you see a picture of a guy with a cat or a guy with a dog, are you, do you think you would perceive them differently? So this is very, an interesting question. We've talked here before about studies with, um, with dogs, men and dogs, and, and how that increases their appeal uh, for, for various reasons, but we know that the research does, uh, does say that, but what about little pussycats? Does that change the way you perceive that person? So this, these researchers out of Colorado state university decided to, um, look into this and they found that women are less likely to swipe right on men if they're posing with a cat in their dating profiles. That kind of surprised me. Uh, The researcher showed a total of uh, 708 women between the ages of 18 and 24, photos of two men, both posed in two separate photos. One showed them with a cat and the other had them posed without one. The women were then asked to rate the men on several attributes, including perceived personality, perceived masculinity or femininity, and perceived dateability, uh, with the scientists asking directly if each participant would consider dating the man in the photo for a short or long-term period. Uh, they say men holding cats were viewed as less masculine, more neurotic, agreeable, and open, and less dateable. These results varied slightly depending on whether the woman, the women self-identified as a dog person or a cat person, but not significantly, right? Uh, When the women were shown the cat-free pictures, 
38% of women said they were likely or very likely to casually date the man in the photo, while 37% said they'd consider a serious relationship with him. Meanwhile, 9% of women said they would never consider getting involved with him. However, when shown a picture of the same man holding a cat, both categories dropped to only 33% of women, and the percentage of women who said they would not get involved rose to 14%. Researchers say that their findings are likely the result of cultural stereotypes about cat and dog owners. I wasn't even aware, I don't know, maybe I've been hiding under a rock somewhere. I'm not really not aware of um, this cultural stereotype. When I, like, when I met my husband, he had two cats and I had cats and I thought that was great. I loved the interaction with him and his cats I did not see him as less masculine I'm like I'm trying to think like did I have that did we I don't remember these those kinds of conversations with people but of course you know I don't know everything so I want to know what you think about that um so uh, yeah apparently uh women do not prefer guys with uh with cats but dogs Yes, nearly 40% of people swiped right on a profile that featured someone's dog because really they wanted to meet the pup more than they wanted to meet the person. Well, that's not really great. Uh, And 71% said that they are more attracted to their partner after seeing them care for uh, their dog. So somehow having a dog indicates that they might spend more quality time, might make them more masculine, but not having a cat. So I want to know what you guys think about that. A couple of texts here. If a woman don't like me for my dog or cat, too bad. Pets are more loyal than women. (laughs) Um, See here, guys with cats are pussies. Again, why? Where does this come from? Please tell me where this comes from. Uh, Hi, Dr. Lori. Guys with cats might connote a bit of emasculation. I'm not super surprised by this. Uh, Why? Why? Uh, Dr. Lori, Johnny Cash has a good song about a mean-eyed cat. I think that is what I've got and therefore have found it better to talk about how much I love and admire my cat. (laughs) Okay. Uh, I'm not a woman, but I'm allergic to cats. Enough said. Okay, well, that's a little bit different if somebody's allergic. Um... Men and cats, I am not a cat lover, but in general, an animal lover. My friend got a kitten for his daughter. Turns out she was allergic. Asked me to take the kitten max three weeks so he can find a new home. That three weeks tur- three weeks turned into 17 years. <laughs> cat and I had an agreement. I will feed and take care of him and cat will ignore me. Cat kept his end of the deal. Died two years ago. I'd miss him. Mmm. Right, another texter. I'm busy erasing cats next to me in photos. <laughs> so I'm just wondering, does it really show that? I, I, I don't know. I have to think a little bit more about that. I, I would love to be a, uh, a participant in that study uh, and see. But that's why I love these psychological studies sometimes, you know, just to give us a, a little idea of what goes on in the minds of people sometimes at an unconscious level right but i'd love to hear your thoughts uh guys with cats are lazy and trust me when you show up and you can smell the cat litter game over well that's a whole other situation by the way that would tell me more if i walk into somebody's house and it it just stinks and there then i know they're not there's a hygiene 
could could signify some hygiene issue or they're too messy or whatever it is and that might be a game changer uh right there uh, might be cultural indoctrination but i don't think so on the other hand i once talked with a woman who first fell for her guy when her cat immediately nestled on his lap uh, and good for you and your hubby bucking the stereotype. <laughs> we definitely bucked the stereotype, and now we have a cat together here. Uh, all right, let's talk a little bit about uh, casual sex. We've talked about this before, but uh, you know, new studies keep coming out about whether casual sex is uh, harmless to one's mental health, or could it be, as one person, this researcher says, harmful to the soul. So they examine the relationship between promiscuity and uh, mental health. Problem is, bottom line is the research altogether is quite inconclusive. You have some studies that show that uh, young adults who partake in casual sexual encounters had similar levels of psychological well-being to those in committed relationships. Then you had another study that found that people engaging in casual sex had decreased well-being, decreased self-esteem, and decreased life satisfaction, as well as increased psychological distress and depression symptoms. And uh, some studies find no difference between men and women. They both experience this. And other researchers have found that men are more likely to report that casual sex is a positive emotional experience than uh, women. So a new research by uh, Dr. Rob Whitley uh, shed a little bit more light on this. And uh, what they did was they had, uh, or he did, um, very involved, like in-depth interviews with dozens of men who had engaged in regular casual sex just to understand the impact on mental health and emotional well-being. So obviously when you're doing a, uh, a qualitative research, qualitative meaning you're doing interviews, so a lot of interviews and then you're you're uh, gathering a lot of similarities and there's all kinds of coding and it's quite complicated to do qualitative uh, in, uh, studies because they're far more complex and, and rich in material and then you have to tease it all out rather than just ask a question and have like a survey or, or what have you. So it was, it was complex, but it, what this researcher found that it, a complex picture actually evolved. So there were many men who reported hedonistic enjoyment of casual sex, but uh, the researcher said a large number of men also reported that a promiscuous lifestyle was damaging to their mental health and many felt better after they stopped um, having casual sex. The concept of the soul was used by several study participants who stated things like casual sex had damaged uh, their soul. Some noted that promiscuity could feel almost dangerously addictive, interfering with important functional activities such as employment and education. Another concept that emerged from the study was the concept of emptiness. Uh, many um, reflected that regular casual sex led to an existential emptiness, and th- which was an unpleasant uh, subjective experiencing prompting some men to actually change their, uh, lifestyle. So, uh, it shows that 
there is research out there that a promiscuous lifestyle can be detrimental to uh, mental health. Casual sex can have a damaging dark side and may come at a psychological cost. So they are saying, how about just taking pause for thought, right? Take the time to think about it. Uh, let's see. Got a couple of texts here. Two words, Tiger King. Oh yeah. Well, (laughs) that's a very big cat. Very different. Uh, every girlfriend that I had that had a cat was attracted to me because I'm allergic. They wouldn't go away. (laughs) Uh, women should appreciate men with pets. See how much they love and take care of the pet. They know they have a loving man. Goldfish don't count. (laughs) Okay. Uh, there's something sissified and sneaky about a man with a cat. I don't even trust women who go for cats. Seemingly sly and weird there in general. What a generalization that is. Dogs are so open, loyal, and friendly. It says something more appealing about the people who prefer dogs, in my opinion. I'm an animal lover all around. I have to say I've had, I've had wonderful dogs and I have, I now have a cat. I've had cats in the past when I lived alone. Now we have a cat that adopted us. We didn't really, we didn't want a cat, but the cat never left our house for some reason and then just kind of moved in. So we opened our doors to that cat. It's been about six years now and he's, he's a doll. He's the sweetest thing ever and, uh, and very loyal and very loving and very affectionate and all that stuff. So, uh, casual sex. Here's a little male joke. There's lots of truth in it regarding casual sex. What is longest period of time you can be with a casual sex partner? Answer from the time you come to the time she leaves. Okay. But um, bum. Uh, coming up, I'm hoping to speak to the inventors of a card game for couples. Oh, good. We have them on the line. So, uh, Robert and Diana will join us. They are inventors of this new card game that I want to hear all about it. And eventually we'll get some copies that we'll be able to give away on the show. From the pleasure and the politics to the hang-ups and the heartbreak, you're listening to Passion, CJD 800. So who doesn't like a good game? Oftentimes, it's a suggestion I make, right? Have a, a date night where you are playing a game, whether it's Scrabble or something else. But this, this is a card game you can play with your partner that actually helps with communication. It would be something I would recommend to couples, especially those that are even in in therapy who are trying to get uh, to develop even more intimacy. So joining me are the inventors of this card game for couples, Robert and Diana. Are you both on the line? Yes, we are. Hi. Good morning. Welcome. Uh, Good morning. Good night to us. Good morning to you. Good morning in the UK. That's right. Wow. That's a long way away. But uh, nonetheless, tell me about the game and how you came up with the idea. So um, the idea itself was around maybe one and a half years ago. Okay. When um, we we were discussing, um, Diana noticed that... um, I, I'm very passionate about my work. I, I own a few businesses and have been working from home for a while. Okay. And she said, I'd, I'd really love to to work with, with the level of passion you are um, and to enjoy my work as much as you do and so on. 
and then we we started brainstorming you know what what is it you like what 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 would it be something you know that you could create passionately and work on and so on and so forth and then we started thinking back and forth it took a few weeks after a few weeks you know long story short we said well you're very very good um, about relationships, you're, you're you're doing an amazing job at you know uh, consistently growing ours and and uh, let's say um, finding ways in which you know uh, we can grow together. And at the same time, uh, we both love games. You mm. know, we have I think uh, every board game that we could find <laughs> and card game. <laughs> and we said, well, can we can we combine the two? Is there a way to combine the two? Um, we and then we did start. Um, searching for other card games out there, and we bought a few. Okay. But they they were very very bland. Uh, there were just you know questions printed on on paper, um, and most of them were you know questions you would ask just one time, like what's your favorite flavor of ice cream? Right, right, <laughs> once right. You, once once you asked all of the questions once, you can just give the game away because it's not relevant to you anymore. So we didn't want that. We we wanted to create a game that you can truly replay every single week and it has, you know, a ton of elements that you that make it fun uh, to play. And it really does um I was going through some of the questions. It really it really deepens uh conversations, right? Because oftentimes you know, we, we kind of tend to just talk surface stuff, like how was your day, am I doing, you know, whatever, whatever, without really delving too deep. And um, and this really kind of forces you to go deeper. I mean, this game, it's uh, perfect for all type of couples, really newer couples or older couples mm-hmm. that have been together for years um, because there are different types and different levels of questions as well. There are like easier questions and more fun questions, if you like. And there are also the deeper ones as well. So give us some examples. Give us some examples of the questions, if you can. So there are questions like, when did you need me most last week? Or um, when did you want me to give you more space last week and I didn't? And there are also questions like, is there anything you've noticed about me recently that you would like me to change? So you see all these prompt uh, to a discussion, because if your partner tells you what it, sorry, what it was, you can also then follow up with questions like, okay, how would you actually like me to change that? And then you can explain that to your partner why maybe you would not want to change it. And then your partner would understand that it's not something you do intentional against them, it's just something you used to doing, for example. So those questions are so interesting because I'm thinking I could use those in a therapy session <laughs> with mm-hmm. with clients, you know, where these are because you, 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 you learn also how to communicate your feelings at the same time. Yes, and the big plus of the card game is that we have so many questions that couples that are not used to talking to each other at the beginning, they can take out the difficult questions mm, mm-hmm. and then just introduce them later on when, once they get Better used to it. actually talking and, you know, open up, opening, opening up to each other. Well, it looks great. I, the the box of questions looks great. You have so many levels, and there's an app also, right? Yeah. So what we've said is, um, though we, one of the main feedback points we've gotten uh, from many people uh, was that, oh, I'm too busy. Um, we we don't have time to play games. 
right? Mm-hmm. Or, or things of that manner. Um, and we're like, well, exactly, exactly. <laughs> if you're so busy and you cannot focus on your relationship, well, this will help. Because at no point should be so busy that you do not have 30 minutes a week to talk. To yeah, that's exactly. Right. It's just you cannot. You cannot allow yourself Agreed. to do that. But yeah. let's see. Let's say you're not mature enough to understand that yet. That's fine. Okay, I get it. You're incredibly busy. You don't have 30 minutes to give the person you married and you want to stay with for the next 50 years. Very Let's sad. Let's assume that's true. Okay, so if that's true, there's an app version, right? <laughs> or if you're at, at distance from each other, right? Let's say you're working, you know, the other person is working as well, whatever. So you, you cannot physically be in the same room to play the physical game. In either case, the app gives you um, a set of nine questions every day so you can choose from them and you can ask maximum three right and so you can have these questions back and forth during the day so instead of just how's your day which again is is has become very superficial exactly nice or whatever you can literally ask things like um what what would you like to do um next week that we haven't done in a while right right so these types of questions are are much much better that actually help you grow the relationship and do uh more fun things together that's on on top of that because the game is in a digital version we can do so many other things like for example another feature is we have secret couple challenges (laughs) so once a week each one of you gets three challenges you can choose from and then one you can actually do and then you need to do, you're giving the secret challenge to do that. Your spouse doesn't know about it or your partner. So you can then um, do the challenge. You need to take a picture to prove you've actually done it. <laughs> and then uh, at the end of the week, your partner gets the picture and said, hey, has, you know, uh, Laurie actually done this? <laughs> right. right. So there, there are all of these challenges and you get one every week. Um, and so basically, and like, I don't know, at least five other features like that, right, that really um, help you just build up on the relationship. You are clearly a very creative couple because to think (laughs) up all of these things, do either of you have a background in psychology or, or marital counseling or anything? Um, I, I finished, uh, psychology, um, a version of it, but it was specifically geared towards children. Uh, I was, I was seriously considering becoming a teacher uh, a while ago. So I did a lot of studies on that. Um, but that's about it, I guess. And Diane, Diana, um, my background is actually in law. Ah! (laughs) Well, good job then. (laughs) Yes, quite different, but still working with people. Right. And, um, I think also because we're so open as well. It just made us think, how can we actually help other people? Because we've seen a lot of our friends who individually, they are great people, but together they are a mess, really, purely because they're not talking to each other. Uh, Guys, more importantly, what is the name of the game and the name of the app so people can look for it? And I know you have a a Kickstarter happening for it as well to to get it going. So what is the name? Yeah, so we we wanted people to engage in better topics than they normally would. So that's exactly how the game is called. And if you just go to Google and you search better topics Kickstarter, 
you will find our Kickstarter that is now live for the next few days, which gives you a ton, a ton of rewards. So you get the base game, you get extensions, you get access to the app, you get a ton, a ton of things if you go there. So you just need to Google Better Topics Kickstarter. So that's the name of the game, Better Topics. And that will be the name of the app. Yes, that will be the name of the app once it's in the App Store. Yeah. Wonderful. So we look forward to receiving uh, some copies so that we'll be able to give them away on the show. I think Mm -hmm. it's an amazing initiative after looking through it i was like i'm very impressed with the level of of questions and i think this could really really help couples so uh good luck to you guys good job thank Thank you you. so much all right you take care Uh, that's uh, robert and diana the inventors of a card game for couples called better topics Uh, look out for it because it will come out uh relatively soon And uh, coming up, we're going to talk about where is um, marriage going? In other words, predicting marriage outcomes when you are dating. Can, Can your ups and downs right now tell you about the future of this relationship? Passion with Dr. Lori Batido on CJAD 800. So just to reiterate, because people are asking, the name of the game is called Better Topics, not yet available, but if you Google Better Topics Kickstarter, you'll see the the full description. I mean, everything is there, sample questions, exactly how the book, the game is going to look like, and hopefully it'll be available soon, and hopefully we'll get some to give away uh, on the show, but they do have a Kickstarter campaign on, so uh, again, Better topics. I think you'd, you'll really like it. And, uh, about men and cats, uh, cat and dog tails never lie in party situations. Animals by avoidance, pick out the assholes in record time. <laughs> uh, another one, the worst, most selfish, narcissistic man I ever dated had a cat. And someone else says, my mom told me animal lovers are kind people. Um, I don't know if that's completely true, but you would think so, right? You would put those two together, I guess. Uh, So where is this going? Predicting marriage outcomes. This is an article by Dr. Gary Lewandowski. Uh, What your relationships ups and downs can tell you about the future. So many times we might ask, is my partner the one? Uh, many of us would love to be able to predict the fate of any relationship uh, we're in. Relationship uh, relationship therapy scientists would want to predict that as well. So they looked at, are there recognizable signs or patterns that can foretell where a relationship is headed? Um, Apparently, the ups and downs of whatever relationship we're in may matter more than we thought. And there was a study that examined this question by tracking how relationships progressed over time uh, via people's own changing senses of where things were headed. So your sense of whether your relationship will eventually result in marriage is called your commitment to wed. So that's what they were looking at. One's commitment to web wed. So they would ask you whether what you, where you thought this relationship, you know, would, 
uh, would it result in, in a wedding or not? Uh, so they wanted to be able to chart the story of a relationship. What would it look like? Would it be a straight ascending line showing steady progress, maybe a curvy line showing that you've hit some bumps along the way? And it's the trajectory that may actually influence how your story will end. So what they hypothesized was that how individuals commitment to wed fluctuated over time would predict future relationship outcomes. So they, uh, interviewed, um, close to 400 dating couples that were in their mid twenties. And then they, they kind of did a, a chart for each of these, uh, e- each of these couples and they, um, charted how their sense of marriage likelihood changed over time. So they kept interviewing them, right. And they wanted to chart, uh, how they were talking about this. And what they found was four key patterns using their feedback as every month they would report on this. So they, uh, had four different patterns. They had, uh, a group called the dramatics, which was about 34% of the sample. This group had an up and down type of relationship with more downturns and steeper changes in commitment than other, uh, groups. These were individuals who spent more time apart and had lower opinions of the relationship and their families and friends were less supportive of their relationship. Then about 30% of the sample fit into what they called the partner focused group, uh, where this group had a, my partner is the center of my universe approach to commitment and they experienced very few downturns. Then they had a socially involved group, 19% of the sample. And this group experienced very little variability and fewer downturns than those in the dramatic and the, the next one, which is the conflict ridden, uh, groups, the conflict ridden, which was 12% of the sample includes the people who fought a lot. And like the dramatic group, this group had a large number of, uh, downturns. So, um, knowing how commitment to wed changed over time seemed to be a better predictor of relationship outcomes than, uh, let's say a basic measure of relationship quality at time one. And then again, at time two, what they found was that individuals in the dramatic group. So remember the dramatic group had a lot of ups and downs, a lot of, uh, um, downturns and changes in commitment. So sometimes they thought the relationship was going to go far and other times they, uh, did not. So those were twice as likely to break up than any of the other, uh, three groups. Uh, those in the partnered focus group were more likely to have their relationship progress. In other words, from casual to serious dating than those in, uh, the other, uh, the other groups. So these results suggest it is good to be partner focused, but not dramatic. In other words, those who frequently experience substantial fluctuations in their commitment should have concerns about the relationship's long-term, long-term sustainability. Uh, and that's important to take away, right? So we've talked before about relationships that are on and off, on and off, on and off. Those do not have a great, uh, outcome by the way. So think about your own, uh, relationship and see.
Uh, more about relationships here. People apparently are rushing into what is now called turbo relationships during the coronavirus pandemic. Uh, so quarantine has caused many couples to weigh whether or not they want to move in with relatively new partners. So we saw this where couples who had just started wanted to quarantine together or isolate together. Uh, for those who, cho who chose to take the leap, many of them are reporting feeling like they are in a turbo relationships or relationships that are more intense and sped up than traditional relationship timelines. Very true. Um, and then a new report found that over 36% of the people surveyed who are newly living with their partners said the last two months felt like the equivalent of two years of commitment. So, uh, apparently turbo relationships, not such a, a new, uh, concept, uh, especially in the queer community, because there's a, um, an expression, especially in the lesbian community about U-hauling when, uh, basically it's when lesbians meet and start dating, they, the joke is that when, when's the U-haul coming, right? They move in together rather, uh, quickly. Then there's another word, uh, Corona cuffing, uh, which is uh, moving in and hunkering down with a new partner uh, for lockdown. So obviously that's certainly going to affect how we see uh, relationships. But this uh, pandemic has certainly created a, a perfect storm for relationships to go from zero to a hundred in a very, very short time. And it'll be interesting to see how many survive um, after that, because I mean, it's, it's, a, it's challenging, right? There's also anxiety that people are, are living with. There's, uh, um, all kinds of things. So it's adding like a different level of intensity and obviously spending a lot of time together and things like that and not having your daily routines and not being able to go to work and blah, 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 blah. So this is all new. We, this is a whole new era of relationships that we are seeing a couple of uh text here google guy i'll already checked better topics you don't see much and there's no app well they're they're in the descriptive of their of the game at least i saw it the, it, it shows the app and what the app does so you should find it on Kickstarter if you can find it there. Uh, that couple's game and approach is impressive. Yeah, I thought that too, especially for a couple that are not therapists. I thought that was pretty brilliant. Uh, the name of the game again is Better Topics. And um, look for it. Not yet available, but believe me, I will tell you when it is because we'll have some uh, to give away. <laughs> right now, I wish I had a basement to sleep in. Why? <laughs> Why? All right. That means uh, the end of the evening for us. Uh, thank you so much for participating in the program. Monday night, there's a couple of topics I want to revisit that we did tonight with our passion view. I want the ladies weighing in, especially about the cat issue, because I'm not quite convinced that men with cats are somehow seen as uh, uh, less, uh, less masculine. I'm not convinced, but you know, maybe you can, maybe you'll convince me then. I don't know. We'll find out. Uh, thank you uh, to all of you. Thanks to our technical producer, Jimmy Garufalis. Thank you to our passion researcher, Linda DeLisi. To connect with me on social media, it's at 
Dr. Lori Batito, last name spelled B-E-T-I-T-O, or just go through my website to drlori.com where you'll also find all the podcasts of all the past shows available, plus uh, some uh, TEDx talks that I did and other things on there. Coming up next here on CJD, we bring you the CTV National News. Have a great rest of the evening, a fabulous weekend, and remember to live your life with passion.